What's up, everybody? Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Keeping It Frank. Today's episode is really special because we have a unique individual with a powerful story. His name is Steve Iguino. Now, when I met Steve a few years ago, he actually was known as Brother Steve. He was studying to become a priest. I was studying to become a teacher. And just when the cards laid out four years later, his career took some really different twists and turns. And now with his passion and his dedication and his focus, it's taken it to a new extreme. And that's what's so unique about it. It's a story about self-awareness, reflection, and ultimately being able to persevere. And this is a unique story because I don't think it's one that's been told before. So without any further ado, Join us for another episode of Keeping It Frank. Last time we knew each other, you were obviously Brother Steve, um, and you've transitioned uh, away from that, and, and now you're kind of, and you're still super active. Like, I still see you living very much that Silesian lifestyle, and for those uh, listening that don't know too much, I'm going to explain this very quickly, if that's okay, and then you can, you can do it justice, because I might butcher this, but uh, he was on his way to basically becoming a priest. He was living um, his vows actively. We met over a summer, and when you hear Silesian, and that might come up a little bit, uh, we're really talking about uh, almost like a specialty uh, group, if you will, that hones in on really the young and the poor, um, always under Catholicism, obviously. So um, I guess where I would want to start more than anything, uh, Steve, is understanding um, when did you make that decision uh, initially to enter uh, the brotherhood or the priesthood? So, yeah, that is... Uh... A heavy question, but it's great because I got I got a light answer. Uh, so I first discerned and was like, "Wow, maybe this is something for me." When I was really young, I was uh, I was serving a mass, and there were like tons of priests on the altar together, uh, and some of them were like cracking jokes and just being funny. And I was a young guy, and they're like, "Hey, are you bored? Because we're bored." And I was like, "You're bored? Oh my goodness!" Like I thought that this was like your thing, um, but with the Salesians, what really drew me in was their, uh, their youthfulness. Like I knew a lot of the priests and brothers and these guys were playing basketball, they're playing soccer, volleyball. They were in the gym lifting weights. And I was like, wow, I can definitely see myself doing that one day. Uh, but ultimately, um, when I was 19 years old, that's when I felt that real call from God in my heart saying, Stephen, you have a vocation. So I was 19 years old when I responded with the yes, because every other moment before that, it was not yet, not yet, not me, wrong guy, come again, thank you very much, next number. And um, finally it was Pushing like, it no, away. yeah, it's now or never. Yeah, and, and it's so interesting, and um, I could be wrong on this, but one of your brothers is a priest. Yes, so my, my older brother, Mike, is a priest. He was with the Salesians for about 16 or 17 years. And he's since left the Salesians and now he's serving with the Archdiocese of New York. So he's a diocesan priest um, and he's no longer with the Salesian um, congregation. And what was the, the conversation like with, with your brother when you made that decision? 
to follow that vocation, did he have any influence on you on making that decision? Uh, to enter the Salesians? Yeah. Yeah. So he was definitely a, a, a big help and a big advocate of saying, Stephen, give this a shot, give this a try. He wasn't um, sort of paving the way for me in any way, but it was helpful. Of course, having an older brother in the same sort of space as you, they're like, oh, you're this guy's brother. Okay. You're one of the guys. <laughs> and so it was easy to be, you know, welcomed in that way. And I was a student of one of their high schools in New York. So I knew of them, but um, he was, he was very helpful. He was a great guide. And he was also very honest with me and said, you know, this is uh, a time to discern. This is a, a real life choice. And there are people who go through with it and it's for them. And there are people who are in there and it's not for them. Um, and so he made that clear from, from day one. And I said, I want to discern this. And if this is where God is calling me, I want to give it the best shot. That, that's hyper impressive to me because I mean, at 19, like I've met you in real life, man, tall, handsome dude, um, you know, very intelligent, musically inclined, you know, very charismatic. You, you really are, um, you know, you've left a, a large impression in the very little time that I, I got to know you. So um, for sure at 19 to see that commitment, I, I know when I met you, um, that, that was always something that struck me to say, man, here's this young guy who's made a commitment uh, to something that's a really great cause. And and it's not, I, I can't imagine it being a favorable life choice viewed by other people, if you will. You know, when they say, okay, like, what are you doing? Like, why are you going into the priesthood? In a world almost where religion is kind of becoming obsolete. And, and I mean, I'm sure you can advocate on the other side of that. Um, but for sure to have the guts to go through that, I mean, that's quite amazing. And, and if I'm understanding, would you say your brother, at least during that period, or maybe even currently, was a mentor uh, for you in regards to that? Oh, absolutely. You know, the relationship that I had with my brother growing up was very unique because it was sort of, you know, Michael in the home of a family. But then when I knew him as Michael, the Salesian, he is a completely different person. And I definitely uh, <laughs> saw his, his genuine vocation, his, uh, his commitment, his charism. And uh, our dad is a really hardworking guy. And my brother, Mike, you know, this is, you know, I'm not, uh, you know, divulging any information. He was, he was a lazy kid growing up. But then when he joined the Salesians, <laughs> he became a hard worker. And I was like, where is this coming from? Because he would push me to work hard when we had a work period or if we were cleaning or painting or whatever it was. He was always making sure that um, I was doing the best that I could do. And, and I think that's like hyper important. I think in a world today where, um, I don't want to say people have a hard time forming identity, but what I notice uh, having worked with a lot of, let's say the young adults is, is what I see is, is this uncertainty where like they, they really don't know what they want to commit themselves to. And, and one that's completely okay. Right? Like at 21, who really knows uh, what you want out of the world? I mean, like if, if I can fast forward your story, Steve, I mean, you enter, you're, you're, you're not certain that you're going to stick it out the entire way through, I'm guessing, but there's definitely a focus um, and you're being disciplined in your approach. Um, where, where would you start saying where you see that maybe, hey, this, this isn't my calling. There is a vocation here, but maybe the priesthood isn't the vocation. Maybe I'm being called to do something else and, and pivot away from, mm -hmm. from this preset ideology that I had that I had to get this done. Yeah, so... Um... I think honestly, it was my second year in formation. So I joined, so I, I first felt the call when I was 19, but I finally entered when I was 21. So I gave seven years. And uh, in my second year, I was uh, just like walking up the stairs back into my room. And I had this thought and I said, 
is this not for me? Like, should I be somewhere else? And I just started like crying, like weeping because I felt this call from God to say, Stephen, you have a vocation. And I was like, okay, God, I'm going to serve you. And I'm going to try to find you and see what you're calling me to do. But now all of a sudden I feel like he called me here and now I'm feeling like there's something else. Um, and so that was a pivotal moment, but I always prayed and I said, God, if this is where you want me to be, let me be here. But if this is not where you want me to be, open another door so that I can just follow you through that door. And then you close the other one behind me. I don't want to be, you know, banging on the door. Let me out, let me out. But, you know, mm -hmm. trusting in him. Were, were you scared of, you know, feeling less Catholic? You know, that decision of, okay, I wanted to become a priest. This was my vocation. This was my calling. And now all of a sudden, it's not. This is something I really thought I wanted. This is, I thought, something God wanted from me. How did it affect your beliefs at the time when you decided, you know what, I'm not sure? Yeah, so um, for me in my, in my vocation, the primary calling was to be a Salesian, not even to be a priest. And I feel like the priesthood was an added bonus. And for those who don't know, the Salesians have a, a wonderful charism where they serve young and poor children all across the world. They're in over 130 different countries. And so that, uh, that charism and the way they shared the faith was very appealing for me. Um, and so <clears throat> uh, when I was discerning and saying, maybe this is not where I'm supposed to be, I was scared because I was like, God, am I doing the right thing? Am I, am I going crazy? Because I thought that this is where you were calling me and what I was supposed to be doing. But now all of a sudden, like, I feel peace knowing that this is not where I should be but I'm still giving him the time. It wasn't that one day that I was like, maybe I should leave and then I was out. But I, I, was, I kept discerning year after year after year. And really uh, going through all of my sort of my options and the, uh, the different directors and formators that I had and people who really knew me and cared about me. And I would share with them what was on my heart, especially with people who I could trust and say, am I crazy? This is what I'm feeling. And they said, no, Stephen, like you're, you're right on the point where you should be at. So that was, that was uh, helpful in me understanding that, no, I wasn't crazy and that it's okay. Like God is still there. He still cares about me, even though, uh, you know, I gave this time, but I, I said it wasn't for me. I would imagine during that period, there's a lot of self-reflection. Uh, definitely, you probably have a high level of self-awareness to be able to go through that because you didn't just think this over for like a day or two, like you mentioned year after year, you thought this might not be the right fit, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. And, mm -hmm. and you kept reflecting and being self-aware to the point where you could, I guess, confidently say, Hey, I know this is not the vocation. This is not what I'm supposed to be doing. doesn't make me less of a person. doesn't make me more of a person. It just means I got to pivot and, and chase my happiness and, and be fulfilled through other things. Um, always serving the same message. And, and I mean, that's really, I guess, what transitioned because for, for those of you that don't know the Salesians, uh, patron, if you will, or the patron saint is, is Don Bosco. And uh, Steve, obviously, uh, and I'll let you plug yourself massively at the end of this, because I think you got some really neat stuff going on. Um, you, you've you kind of shifted to this Bosco Beats um, project. Um, now, that that's what I see at the surface, right? And I'm sure you have a lot more details. So um, can you talk about that transition from leaving um, or deciding this is not my vocation and, and kind of pivoting and chasing and going all in on something that is? So like, what's the period there and, and what's going on uh, during that period? 
Yeah. These are awesome questions. Thanks guys. I really appreciate being on this, uh, this podcast, but um, by the way, that is so reassuring that you, that you've answered that because I am new to this and just trying to do my best. <laughs> yeah, no, no, this is great. Um, this is exciting for me. Uh, so the, the moment when, or the, the period of transition that was taking place, I think one of the most um, critical things for me in my discernment that was said to me is Stephen, you don't need to be a priest to do the things that you're doing because I was playing sports. I was making music. I was giving talks at retreats. I was working at summer camps. I was working with kids. Um, and that kept playing in the back of my mind. You don't need to be a priest to do this. You could be married. You could have a family. You could be single and still serve God in this way. Um, but to be completely honest, a huge part of my discernment and my vocation came with the summer that I served uh, in uh, Montreal, living in RDP and meeting all you wonderful people. And honestly, I felt a real sense of family. I felt connected and welcomed from the, the moment I opened my mouth and said, hello. Um, and I think also you saw who I was as a genuine and authentic person. It wasn't just mm -hmm. like another guy who was here for the summer to see what was going on, but like, I genuinely miss you guys and girls out there. So, um, that was a huge thing of like knowing family and feeling family. And for me, family is so important that in my discernment and at the time of transition, knowing that I was going to be able to have more time with my family and the possibility of having my own family was that fire that kept me going. So um, I found myself finding fulfillment in things that were outside of the community of the Salesian. So I found fulfillment in volleyball specifically. It's my favorite sport. I played my entire life uh, practically. And then music, uh, making music, sharing music, performing, speaking. And so when I saw that, especially in the realm of uh, ministry or a project in Bosco Beats and seeing how quote unquote successful that is and was and can be, um, I was like, wow, this is something that really can sustain me and fulfill me and where I find happiness. Uh, and I knew that it could be used in other places, even outside of the Slesians themselves. So um, really investing uh, in the craft of making music, music production, uh, networking, collaborating. It's, I, I love the creative process. So being able to bring my faith into that mix um, and it's, you know, having it a part of who I am today really uh, helps me on this journey. Now, Steve, you're a, you're a man of, I mean, a million talents. You rap, you beatbox, you play how many instruments? Uh, if you count the radio, definitely like four. <laughs> you can play four <laughs> instruments. Uh, <laughs> you have amazing talent. So I have two questions. So the first one is, where does that come from? And two, where can I buy some of it? <laughs> Amazon Prime or AKA Amazon <laughs> Not So Prime. Uh, so um, for me, I, I think that a lot of the music and the creative aspects of what I do actually comes from when I was in my mother's womb, which is crazy because I was told the story that when my mom was pregnant with me, she was taking piano lessons. And she didn't do that for any of my other siblings. But for me, she would be consistent with learning how to play the piano. And I think it's, it's just a part of my, my spirit and my soul that when I hear music, when I feel music, it, it, you know, helps me to kind of go to another place. And a lot of people say, you know, this song really brings me in and I love it. But now when I'm able to create that and it's coming from within, it's, it's a whole other experience. And so it just 
drives me to, you know, I hear and feel something in, in my head and in my heart. And with a couple of, you know, different instruments and sounds, I'm able to take that thought and that creative concept and bring it to life and let people be a part of that joy that I experience uh, in the process of making music. And you can buy that for two easy payments of thirty nine ninety five plus shipping and handling. <laughs> way to throw it in, way to throw it in. Link in the description. Yeah. <laughs> Comment tomato for 20% discount. Yeah. Now, and if you act now, we'll upsell you on three more songs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it, and that's awesome. And and the story of being in the womb is that's that's pretty cool. Like the fact that the beat was always there for you. And hmm. um, and if I can ask, I mean, so so what are you working on right now? If without giving away your magic sauce or or you know ripping it all the way, you mentioned this idea of of digital evangelization, right? Uh, if, I, if I quoted or coined that properly. Yes, yes. Um, what does that mean? So what's your mission right now? How are you living this vocation uh, or this pledge to the Salesians through, through your work right now? Sure, yeah. So digital evangelization for me is so important, especially now during this time of quarantine with the global pandemic, because you know a lot of people were going to churches. There were young people who were involved in camps and different clubs and um, youth ministry programs that can no longer meet in person. And for this generation, excuse me, uh, this generation of young people, uh, Gen Z, that personal connection is so important for them. In the previous generation, the millennials, we were okay with the phone or a tablet, a computer, or whatever it might be. Uh, but for this generation, they uh, thrive on face-to-face -face contact and communication. So what digital ministry and digital evangelization is doing is that it's creating an opportunity for people to reconnect um, maybe not in person, but to still share that personal message and to uh, create a space where people are able to experience what they have before in the past. So we're doing a lot of uh, videos on YouTube and just doing covers and live videos and going live on, I feel like everybody's going live on Facebook and Instagram, but it's even more of a better excuse to do it now uh, because people are, are hungry for it. Like, what can you do to provide me with good content, with quality content? And that's been my mission is to try to produce that and to share that with the world. And, and that's powerful. And, and what are you seeing? I mean, this is obviously a new, a new place that everybody's playing in, right? Like, um, if I scroll down my Facebook feed, I'm catching more and more where, you know, we're having these masses on Sunday that are, are being live streamed or um, there's just a, a, a plethora of like, wow, the world is kind of coming online and we didn't really have a chance to talk about uh, COVID-19 and that's how, how that's, you know, uh, affected and, and things like that. But um, what I would say is, you know, typically church is, is, a, is a gathering. It's a place where people want to come together. And now we're living in this new world where you're trying to change it up. I mean, and I'd have to imagine that the old way of doing things is the predominant way. And, and now there's this opportunity to kind of shift things. And it's mm -hmm. peculiar and it's weird. And I can imagine navigating that space. So because it's still in that infancy, um, as you coined it, I mean, what are you seeing? So I think that what's happening is people are developing a hunger for what they had before. And I was doing a live interview with uh, a friend of mine. And he said, if we're able to grow in hunger together, we will be able to grow in holiness together. And as people of faith, that is what we want. We want to be in church. We want to be able to receive Jesus uh, in the sacraments. And if we can be away, and, you know, they say absence makes the heart grow fonder, what truer of a time for that to happen spiritually 
for us to say, am I where I should be at? Is my heart in the right place? Because people all around us are catching this horrible uh, illness and passing away and it's affecting millions and millions of people and families. So um, I think that what's happening is this area where people are going live in digital ministry and catching mass live online is we can have the in-person encounters, but we have to be able to sustain our ourselves for the other six days of the week because people say, Oh, Sunday, I'll give you an hour. I'll, I'll go to church, mm-hmm. but all the other hours of the week, they belong to me. And we've been seeing, and it's been showing that that's not really effective. It's great. It's nice. But in the long run, we're going to end up doing more damage. So take us through a little bit of, of the, the nitty gritty. Like what are the ways that you are doing this evangelization through the social media apps? Like give us some solid examples of all the stuff that you're actually doing out there. Sure. So the funniest thing was that the very first time I ever was like, you know what, I'm going to go live and I'm going to do something. So I have this studio here in my home and it's a complete mess. There's wires all over the place. This, this little box looks nice, but if I tilt the camera down, you're going to be like, Oh my goodness, what is going on over here? Um, and also if I take my hat off, not kidding, but yeah, same here. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I set up all my equipment to go into a loop station that I have. And I was just playing music on Spotify and I was playing, uh, like Latin house music and just dance music. And I had my lights going. So these lights can flicker and go all sorts of crazy colors and it looks like a club in here. And so I had a social distant party where for an hour I was just playing music and I had a cajon percussion and my saxophone. I had this mic set up and I was like, Hey, what's up everybody. Welcome to the social distant party. We're having a good time. And people (laughs) were genuine, like, thank you for doing this and sharing this because it's actually bringing joy back into my life. It's not a live where somebody's going online and saying, Oh, it's so bad. Everything going out there in the world, or we need, we need the somber music. We need to, to grieve together. Yes, we do need to grieve, but also we have to rejoice for the life that we have and the breath that we breathe. And so I, I took it very personally as my mission to be that sense of joy and rejoice and just sharing music and, uh, you know, sharing good content. So yeah, it all started with the social distant party. So I did a couple of those and uh, it spread to um, doing live music. So myself and my fiance, I'm getting married in five months, God willing, um, October 10th. Nice. Amazing. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. So my fiance and I, uh, we did a live where we did covers of praise and worship music and also just music to have some fun and just seeing how people are hungry for community. So if I'm able to create a space where people can log in and watch live or to watch the content after it already happened, uh, but to really engage with them. And I feel like that's something that I've, I've done in all aspects of my life, especially when I was with the Salesians of saying, I'm here for you, like fully, completely, totally. And like, uh, you know, if I'm with somebody, it's not like, oh, I, I already gave you four hours. That's it. But, <laughs> you know, if you're with people, they want to be with you. They want to have that community. So I'm um, really building that in an online space so that when, we're, when we are able to come together, that relationship has been established and the rapport is built. So for people who didn't know me, they were able to catch me on Facebook Live or Instagram Live or, or from a YouTube video. So then when we meet in real life, it's like, hey, I saw your video. That was awesome. And then we're able to build and work on that relationship. And, and it's interesting. I mean, uh, I love the fact that you mentioned relationships and community. I, I, I think the space you're playing in is genius 
um, especially for what you're trying to achieve. I think that you're identifying something or a gap. Uh, and and I, have to, I have to agree with you. I think that the fact that we've been locked down and everything we've taken for, for granted or whatever the case may be, it almost feels like it's been taken away and I want my freedom back. I want, I want so desperately to go back to even the most basic of things mm -hmm. that I was allowed to do, you know, taking a walk in the park with a couple of buddies or whatever the case may be, something as simple as that. And the fact that you're fostering that online and giving people that safe space, um, that was one thing that I found impressive. And secondly, it's positivity. You're, you're spreading positive vibes. And I think that this has been a great opportunity to reevaluate a lot of priorities for a lot of people. Um, and if I can ask you, what's your intention with this project? Like if, if you had to give me uh, your vision and this might be too deep a question, but if you can give me your vision, like this is the fulfilling part. I got to where I need to go. Yeah. Put those goggles on baby. There we go. <laughs> um, you know, what would uh, a successful project look like to you? How would you know um, you were there? Uh, so I would love for me to be able to continue to create this content, but then once we're able to get back together in real life, to continue to spread this and to share this mission and this ministry in the real world. And um, I've, I've been blessed, honestly, within this last couple of months with connections and opportunities to go as far as Brazil and Australia. And it's just been unreal. People just sent me a DM on Instagram and said, hey, we see what you're doing. We would love for you to come to our music festival and perform. And I'm like, are you sure? Did you watch the same thing that I watched? Like, are you for real? <laughs> and I think what's interesting about that is sometimes we don't realize the, the gifts and the message that we're sharing and sending and in order for us sometimes to realize our own strengths and gifts, other people call it out for us. And so I've been blessed for people to call that out and for them to say, hey, we want you to come and we want you to share that with us. So for me, that's a huge um, realization that this is the direction that, that God is putting me in. And also I've been blessed to uh, you know, invest over time and have good equipment and good, a good product. And uh, thank God, a, a personality to match. Otherwise I'd be like, Hey, everybody, welcome back to the show. It's great <laughs> to be here. Thank you for being here. Are there any comments? You know, so we, we, we got to caption that part there. That's going to be the promo for this yeah. one. <laughs> welcome back to the podcast. <laughs> I'm, I'm, <laughs> oh, man. And, you know, you, you've got a great, a great energy about you, too. So um, that's really cool. Thank you for sharing for sharing with that. And, and I mean, I, I guess what I want to know more than anything else is, um, I like to always try and get some real nitty gritty value to, to the up and comer. And I think that you've been playing uh, in the digital space a little bit. You mentioned Gary V on the onset of this. I didn't forget um, oh, yeah. who happens to be like one of my idols. I listen, I started listening to Gary maybe about five years ago and I breed his content. Like mm -hmm. I, I absolutely adore him. I love the genuine um, truth to everything he's saying. Um, and in such a way that it's like rough love, right? It's, it's yeah. like, Hey man, no excuses. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and he's totally right. Like once you get over your ego and you accept it, you realize that, Hey, he's totally right. Um, but I would say if you had to leave someone tangibly with an idea, let's, let's keep it in the realm of content. Um, yeah. what do you see as an opportunity? Uh, where should someone start to understand, Hey, um, when it comes to building a brand online, what should I do, uh, from a content perspective? What's some beginner advice you can kind of throw out there? So I would say the best thing to do as a beginner is to use your phone the best way possible. Search what are the best apps that people are using, 
Um, and there, you know, everybody's on social media, whether it's TikTok, Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, uh, or whatever other platforms I'm missing, even podcasts. There are so many ways that people can start to get involved. And, you know, in the same vein of Gary V, if there's something that you're passionate about, I remember the first time I ever heard him say, Hey, if you love playing video games, record yourself playing video games and talk about it. And you're going to, you're going to have a crowd of people watching, but that's the truth. And that's reality. And look how big esports is right now. It's a billion dollar industry. And it started with, you know, one person saying, I want to do this because I have a passion for it. So if there is something that you are passionate about, start small, you know, it takes uh, one step at a time. There's, there's a song that I love. It's, it's literally called dream small. And it says something along the lines of like, uh, for every Goliath, there's a David who beat and conquered Goliath. So for every mountain you see in your life, there is an experience, there is a person, there is an opportunity that's going to help you conquer that mountain. So as a young person looking forward for the future, you're saying, but there's, there's millions of people online. There's millions of people there. There are, you know, so many people have millions of followers and I'm trying to start. There's no use. Well, the use is you start and you make that piece of content because you don't know if it's that one person who you're going to affect and change the way that they're living their life in a positive way. And to that point, it's, it's don't play like what you're saying kind of drives home the point of don't play for results. Don't care. Don't get invested in the likes. Don't get invested in the comments. Don't get invested mm-hmm. in the hate, get invested in progress and, and having enjoyment and fulfillment. And, and I think that you, you've said passion a couple of times throughout this podcast. And I think you're bang on. I think when you start merging your passion uh, with action, that's, mm-hmm. that's where you really play in this, this awesome uh, flow state. Um, and, and on the content side, um, what's some other stuff you're doing? What have you been working on? If you want to plug some of the channels that you got going on, uh, let the people know what's, um, what's up for sure. So, um, I love music. It's what I do. So you can check me out at the Bosco beats on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, uh, MySpace. just kidding. I don't have MySpace. Um, <laughs> Tom's going to be disappointed. <laughs> don't tell Tom he's still in my top eight. <laughs> he's, he's my one <laughs> <laughs> my number one my one and only uh so um on in, uh excuse me on spotify you can check out the bosco boys and that's music from when i was with the salesians and myself and one of the other brothers his name was brother steve we were a rapping duo so it was, it was a lot of fun to make music with him but uh this year i released my first uh solo uh project and it was it's a it was just a single release called dub uh d-u-b and uh, it was such a fun, fun process of making the beat and recording. And just, it, it felt like a coming of age sort of song of me transitioning from the music with the Salesians and who says you can't be a saint. And like, that was a lot of fun. It was great. But now it's like bars, like real bars of, you know, sharing my faith and sharing that journey. Um, one of the other great things that I'm doing is uh, starting to make more music with my fiance, Emily. So uh, there's a song that we were working on that was completely inspired through prayer um, called uh, Nothing Nothing More and uh, It Is You, like in sort of parentheses, Nothing More It Is You. And it really came from this this quarantine. If it wasn't for this quarantine, that song wouldn't have been made or inspired. And I wrote it in a space where I was completely surrounded by wires and clutter and the craziness outside and sirens and all this craziness. And I was just playing chords. And I felt the words, I want nothing more. Take away the craziness, take away the distractions, take away all this fancy stuff. 
I want nothing more. It's only you, God. And he is the one who has given me the strength and the guidance and the perseverance to continue in this life. Um, so knowing that he's a part of the journey has been beautiful. But yeah, so uh, the Bosco Beats, Bosco Boys, Stephen Aguino. Um, on Instagram, my personal account is Aguino13. Uh, so yeah, you can check out all those cool things. So awesome. you, you, you're, you're hustling and making your connections and making all your content and, and achieving great, great things. What is a lesson that you've learned to, you know, that you like to live by? Like, what is your big message for everyone through all of this? So this is a message that I learned more recently, like in the past couple of months. And the message is collaborate, collaborate, collaborate. Don't be jealous of other people's gifts because their gift might not be your gift. And they might be watching you and feeling jealous or anxious or saying, well, I want to do that. And that's not for them. But we have to work together as an orchestra and we all play an individual instrument. We all have different rests in our measure. I see the amazing sheet music behind you, uh, Frankie. And it really drives home the fact that we all are a part of this amazing piece of work called life in this song. And if somebody who's playing the timpani says, I want to play the French horn, that timpani part is lost, but it's so important. And there's that space for that person. So everybody in this digital world has a space to play. They have a space to perform. And even more importantly, they have people to collaborate who have walked that path before them and said, you know what, you're playing the piece, you're rushing it a little bit. I'll help you out. Let's work on this. And so for those of us who have been in this space a little bit longer, I think it's so important and we're not hurting ourselves. There's, you know, this, this false ideal of, uh, competition. It's like, well, if I tell that person, they're going to, they're going to take my followers and I'm not going to be able to get the, the same views. I beg to differ. If you share what you have, you are good. There's nothing else we can do, but grow. And so if you want to grow, you've got to work with other people, look at what people are doing and you might be jealous for a moment, but squash that and say, how can I learn? What can I do? And when you want to say that you're jealous or you see what that person's doing and you, you don't care, send them a message and comment on their work and say, what you did was awesome. That's it. And walk away. And you never know how that person is going to respond to you. Solid advice. Solid advice. There's no time for jealousy. You've got to appreciate it. I've, I've always said it. It's, uh, you coin things so well, Steve. You really do. Uh, you're very articulate. And, and I think you're spot on. Um, you have such a good perspective. I mean, um, wh what's your outlook? What do, what do you think the next uh, six months to a year looks like for, for humankind coming uh, or, or living with this uh, COVID-19. Let's, let's get to some real stuff, I guess, that's affecting us today. Uh, I think that in all honesty, all honesty, um, you know, when things open back up, people are going to be so happy to see each other and wow, it's great. But then we're humans and we fall back into our human condition and we fall back into those ruts that we had. But if we didn't spend this time filling in those ruts so that we can work in a new way, uh, we're, we're just going to go back to everything that we were doing and how we see people, how we treat people. And there might be a select group of people who can uh, remember how they're feeling right now in this moment or listening to this podcast and saying, you know, when I'm out, I'm going to smile at everybody I see and I'm going to hold the door open for somebody. I'm going to shake their hand. Um, but I think that the next six months to a year is filled with a lot of hope. Uh, an opportunity and hopefully a lot of restoration and healing, uh, which a lot of people need.
Um, what, what I would say, I mean, to kind of close it off, uh, Steve, I mean, one, uh, I'm thrilled, man. I, we got to know each other, I mean, uh, on a very basic level, if you will. I mean, spending a month and a half, two months together isn't enough to truly get to know someone. Um, but having the opportunity to speak to you right now and, and really see the perspective and, and how you've maintained this narrative of positivity throughout, really, it sounds like your whole story uh, is absolutely amazing. And I think that you're doing things with the right intention. You didn't mention money once at all in this podcast, right? Um, it's really about the passion. It was really about you know, uh, persevering for a bigger end goal. And, and I mean, I wish you and your fiance nothing but happy times. I, I pray, man, I, I hope that you have the opportunity to actually uh, get married on, in October and that everything kind of settles down by then. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a buddy of ours. Um, yeah, he was supposed to get married in May and it didn't happen. And um, they're not super bummed out about it, but it, it's, you know, you want to get it done. Um, oh, Steve, I mean, closing off any thoughts, anything you'd like to share? Um, now's your time. <laughs> uh, man, I don't know. I, I think I would just want to take this time to, uh, to like genuinely share my, my thanks with you guys. Um, in, in all honesty, I spent seven years discerning with the Salesians. I had so many experiences from working in Tampa, Florida, Chicago, Boston, New Jersey, New York, uh, Vancouver, you know, that place, Canada, it's pretty crazy, eh? <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> uh, but in all honesty, when I came to, uh, to Montreal, um, to the uh, Happy Days summer camp and just meeting everybody there, um, it really was like a, a sense of hope and relief for me because when they were telling me where to where I was going to be going for the summer we don't have a choice they tell us you're going here for the summer they said Steve where do you want to go and I said I literally said anywhere but Montreal anywhere but Montreal I opened the paper and they said you're going to Montreal and I was like shoot you got to be kidding me and then I went there I ended up loving it uh, just because of the community that you guys had and how much of a family you all were, uh, and brought me in right away. Um, I felt like I was, you know, just one of the, one of you guys with, with literally everything. You're like, Hey, you want to go get an ice cap at Tim Hortons? And I was like, (laughs) yeah, of course, let's go. And, uh, and the Salesians knew, uh, the type of people that you were, how you were welcoming and loving and open and kind and that, you know, I could still have some fun with you all. Um, it was, it was such an amazing experience and, uh, I, you know, never forget it. Um, yeah, all the all the cool things we did. I'll never forget my my last day was hmm. uh, a house party, and it was America Day at the house party. In honor of you, in honor of you, in honor of me, of course. And uh, that was the most fun. That was the best, and uh, definitely, and never forget it. I still remember Steve the first time we met. It was uh, it was the nighttime, and it was a torrential rainfall in yes. Montreal. Yep. And we were driving through it, uh, freaking out in the back seat because we couldn't see the road. And we went to go get coffee that night. And, and I still remember that car ride and the conversation uh, from that coffee shop. And like, Yeah, I, I remember right too, um, looking at you, I'm like, dang, that guy's got a cool tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> yes, thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, no, that was that was awesome. Like walking in like a, a deer in the headlights, as they say, and they're like, hey, 
he's a good guy. Let's uh, let's bring him in here. So <laughs> even even having me buy cleats at Canadian Tire so that I can play a, a, a pickup game or like fill in. Uh, I forgot who I was with, but man, I still have those cleats in my closet. Wow. <laughs> oh gosh. There, there's so many stories that uh, definitely we could have uh, talking about working at summer camp and, and when we met, uh, yeah. but you truly are, I mean, such a remarkable guy. It was an honor. Uh, and honestly, I, I, when I first met you, you were studying to become a teacher. No, you were a teacher. I was studying yeah. to become a teacher. Mm -hmm. And I just remember like, almost being in awe of you, how you had so many projects going on and still finding time to work with the youth. Now I'm a teacher. I've, you know, I've come a few years into the profession. Uh, and I, it's maybe one of the happiest decisions of, of my life, right, to work with the youth and to give back. And it was amazing getting to know you at the start of my career. I appreciate that so much. Thank you. All right, guys. Well, that's a wrap for today's awesome episode of Keeping It Frank. Steve, can't say thank you enough. And uh, really was a pleasure getting to know you. You're a friend of us now. So uh, if ever, you know, you can, uh, you have genius ideas, send them back to us, you know, think of us. <laughs> Absolutely. Definitely will do. Thank you. Keeping It Frank. Wow. That was, that was incredible. Um, you know, every time we do a podcast, I'm always amazed to see um, mm -hmm. the stories of other people, Mike. And uh, I don't know if you got the same sense that I got, but we just spoke to an individual whose story really is about perseverance and self-reflection. Like Steve, you know, from year two was having doubts. He toughed it out and prayed through it for five years before pivoting away. It, it, it was crazy to me to, to have to deal with something like that for so long. You know, a lot of us right now during this pandemic are worrying about a future that we don't know what we have in store for us. And, you know, we, we can't even see a few months down the line. And here was somebody who was struggling with what his future had in store for him. And he toughed it out for years uh, and finally came up with some, something that finally, finally made him happy. Yeah, and, and, it, and it goes to like the idea, and I think it's super important, and it's a big takeaway as well. He said it a couple of times, and, and I made reference to it in the podcast specifically, but passion. He says passion mm -hmm. a lot, and it's something I'm a big advocate about. It's, it's really, it's finding what I'm passionate about, what, I, mm -hmm. what value do I bring into the world, uh, and, and being able to explore that and, and be fulfilled through that. Um, and, and I found that he had a very good perspective. He knew at, at, at his core, he was a musician. He's an artist. He creates, that's where he gets joy and fulfillment, but he took his calling or what he believes his career is. And he married the two. And I think that's powerful. I think a lot of people could do that. Definitely. Like it, to, it speaks of his ingenuity, right? To take something that we wouldn't normally put together, uh, faith and rap music, uh, faith in beatboxing. I mean, he has such an immense talent when it comes to music. And, and again, it all started with this dance party at home, right? That he blended these two things that just wouldn't be put together. And he found something that actually resonated with so many people. And that's what it is. And, and I think when you're talking about resonating with people, like I, I really believe that whatever you love, whatever you're passionate about, mm -hmm. guaranteed there's other people in the world that share Definitely. those interests, right? So, I mean, it's, it's really, it's the courage of, of taking a step forward and doing it. 
Um, and, and for me, the unique spin to it was uh, this idea of digital evangelization, right? Like that, that to me is very, um, I want to say it's an oxymoron. oxymoron I'm yeah. using that right. Yeah. yeah. Because like church is very traditional in its sense, very formal. Like I, I don't go to church often um, anymore, but the times I did, it's very formal. It's structured. But digital evangelization, digital is not formal. Digital is like this informal place. It's this meetup uh, with millions of people around the world. Uh, coming to this the, this platform or whatever the case may be. So, uh, what were your thoughts on that? Did you did you find anything unique with that idea? Yeah, I found that like pretty intense that we could take technology and we can take all of these things that we have in the 21st century and bring it to something that started almost 2,000 years ago. You know, masses and you know receiving you know the Eucharist and you know going to you know, these festivities where people get together and, and pray to take it and bring it into the 21st century and update it. To, it, it was, it's, it's really cool to me. And Mike, what do you think? Uh, I'm curious to get your spin of it because, I mean, the, the episode itself, um, although there was a lot of key character messages, which I think is really important to focus on. I think that's always the most important is looking at the character and then what's going on um, because the character can be transferred to any situation. The situation is, is what the individual is going through. Um, but I digress. What I, what I ultimately want to get at is we spoke a lot about uh, from his standpoint, which was faith, which was perspective. He references God a lot. Um, so, you know, this is a man of faith. Um, I'm just curious your thoughts. Like now that we're, in this COVID, I hate always bringing it to this, but mm -hmm. that we're in this like COVID-19, self-isolation, social distancing. Um, this guy throws a party online. And when I say this guy, I'm always referencing Steve, obviously, <laughs> but Steve throws out uh, this social distancing party online and people yearn to go. Um, from the spiritual standpoint, just to kind of make it holistically, um, do you think, Mike, people are yearning or feel more spiritual now that they're kind of um, or their liberties have been taken away? Or do you think things go back to normal and, and kind of, um, you know, religion always has that uphill battle? I think that spirituality is, it's a very personal thing, right? And I think that in this time where people have been alone, people have been not surrounded by a bunch of people or constantly have so many things thrown at them that they've had time to think. And whether it's, you know, an organized religion or just a spiritual activity like a yoga, like, a, you know, where you can actually just find that inner peace, I think that is something that will stay. I think people are finally taking the time to slow down and think a bit more about their own needs to think about what makes them happy. So, yeah, I definitely think this is something that will stay in, in some shape or form, not necessarily through religion, because I do think that it is something that, you know, like you said in the podcast, it, it might not be as popular as it was so many years ago, but definitely spirituality and, and connecting to oneself and, and one's desires and needs is definitely something that is being highlighted during this time, for sure. That's, uh, and you have, I think you have a bang on. I share the same perspective as you do. And um, I think the biggest thrill of having Steve on today um, was to hear about his story um, you know, and it's, it's typical of, of really everybody's story, right? It's always a matter of making a decision and sticking it out and being able to be flexible and open-minded throughout the process. Um, so I want to say thank you to everybody who gave us a listen. Mike uh, and I and the team with Dana and Giovanni are always thrilled to have you tune in. 
We look forward to bringing you the next episode. Please, if you did enjoy this, share, give us a like, help us get the word out because what we are trying to do over at Keep It Frank is keep it real with you and give you real practical life stories that you can benefit from. With that, guys, I wish you a fantastic rest of your week. We look forward to talking to you on our next episode of Keeping It Frank.